0: wtbr Pittsfield.
1: Welcome to Ham on WTBR, the all-inclusive ham radio show for hams and non-hams alike. Be part of the show, contact us on www.facebook.com slash TV. And now the hosts of the show, Peter and Jessica.
2: Ham on.
0: And good, 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 good morning. Wednesday morning again from Berkshire County. Studio B in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. This is Ham on.
3: It's, very, it's a Wednesday and the sun is shining. How did that happen?
0: Yeah, the sun the sun is shining on a Wednesday morning. Isn't isn't that interesting? So a little bit different format for the next two weeks mm-hmm. since things are kind of slow in the amateur radio world, and we are two weeks out from the Hollywood Halloween spooktacular. Why do you
3: keep? Confusing Hollywood and
0: Halloween. It's 9 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. The Halloween <laughs> Spooktacular. So I- instead of our regular format show, which will be back in two weeks, um, we're going to do ghost stories.
3: Awesome.
0: For this week and next week. So we got three cool ghost stories. Um, and that leads up to our Halloween Spooktacular. <laughs> On October 31st, on Halloween Day, with the, with the stars of uh, classic TBR, Ham On, and nothing but, old, uh, nothing but Old 45s, we'll be here for a whole Halloween uh, spooktacular for eight hours starting at noon, and we'll be on for a two part. Show, and then, yes, I know I said this before, but we're going to say this again. November 4th, we will finally be back coming to you live from the WTBR studios on Federico Boulevard.
4: Federico
0: Drive. Drive.
4: Yeah, they're not lying. This time they are leaving my kitchen. Thanks. On
0: Wednesdays, so off they go. Yes, um, the time is right. We got, uh, in fact, I think this is a little bit after we went off the air last week, we got an email from Matt saying, come on back. So <laughs> we also have a production crew this time that will be there helping us with the, with the cameras and everything. Oh, so November 4th, we will have a big show planned for our return to the WTBR studios. Uh, And uh, to continue our show on UPC TV, people will finally get the video video back as uh, all you've been watching for the past seven or eight months is just our audio. Yeah, but
3: Halloween will be over. I don't want to scare the
0: crap out of them. So we'll have our our video back. So, um, not much going on in the world. What's going on? put your little donation thing out before we start the festivities uh, real quick like
3: the Berkshire Humane Society is looking for donations they are looking for kitty litter they are looking for cat food and cat food, cat treats uh, their most big thing that they're looking for is small animal items. They're looking for the, you know, plain pellets for the rabbits, for the guinea pigs. They're looking for hay, and they're looking for Timothy Hay donations for them. They're looking for bedding for them. They're looking for, uh, <coughs> food. Here, Keep Food, you know, all the weird animal donations. Just pay,
0: pay up the number.
3: 413-447-7878. Also, if you're looking for assistance from the Pet Food Pantry, you can call the same number. Tell them that you're interested in joining the Pet Food Pantry. Give them information on the animals that you have and how many you have and they will help you and assist you. Same thing if you're looking to donate, please, if you're looking to donate, same number, 413-447-7878 tell them that you have donations and, and and that you're on the way to drop them off. Also, they also take monetary donations. So, there you go.
0: And also make sure you donate to WTBRFM to keep the station on the air. WTBRFM.com, hit the donate button or give them a call over at the studios and make a donation. And tell me you heard you here. I am on. So, like, like I said, not much going on in the amateur radio world. We're 2 weeks out from Halloween. So, um, we're going to do some Halloween stories that actually were broadcast way back in the day, back on AM, AM radio, um, for the next two weeks. And then our regular format will come back um, November 4th when we get back to the studio. So, we're going to start right now. So, enjoy Ham on Halloween.
5: Well, since you asked me for a ghost story, I did once hear of a peculiar occurrence, a narration of which may divert you. It began when I dropped in on my club one night. It was the evening of the annual club game of Hey Ho Rumbadow,
4: in which we line up
5: six of the shortest members of the club and attempt to knock them down with the fattest member. <laughs> all without waking the sleepiest member. It is my job on these occasions, as the club's most boring member, to sit in a side room by myself and not talk to anyone. For every 15 minutes I successfully do this, I am rewarded with a try. Although curiously, tries play no other part in the scoring system. <laughs> I had just scored my fifth try when I was joined by a losing sportsman from the game next door. He was a tall, lean man with salt-and-pepper hair and a sandy moustache. I should explain that the forfeits in hay ho are predominantly powdery in nature. <laughs> I cannot remember how we got onto the subject of the otherworldly and supernatural it may be because that's what i always bang on about or it may not are you yourself a believer i asked him and he shook his head emphatically but when we had both finished coughing (laughs) i noticed he seemed suddenly unsure
6: mind you he said There was one peculiar thing for which I could never find a rational
5: explanation. Intrigued, I urged him to tell his story, and pausing only to comb the icing sugar from his mutton chops. (laughs) He began. Well, I was leaving this very club
6: not two weeks ago, but four years ago. (laughs) It was a cold night, and I reached into my jacket pocket. I tell you this partly because it is germane to my story, and partly because I like saying jacket pocket. (laughs) Jacket pocket. Jacket pocket. It was my tobacco pouch, I sought, but instead I found a letter. But a letter I had not put there myself, and indeed had never seen before. Was it an epistle from the other world? Had it been placed there by a time-traveling future version of myself? Had I picked up the wrong jacket? (laughs)
1: Whatever the explanation, the letter made curious reading. Here is how it went. My dear uncle, my cycling tour continues tolerably well. The weather is unusually hot for February, but then of course it is July. (laughs) (laughs) I have taken lodgings for a few days at a Quaint Inn by the name of the horse and the other horses. I intend to do a little angling, a little reading, and a little smack. <laughs> My landlady is a jolly old countrywoman whose cheery smile proclaim her a worthy hostess and whose flowery forearms proclaim her a but indifferent player of hey ho <laughs> One evening, we got to talking, and she told me a story more terrifying and inexplicable than any I have heard. But you shall be the judge, uncle, for I shall set it down in her own words as best I can.
7: Well, sir, this were the way of it. "'Twas a dark December night and I was busy in the pantry panting. (laughs) When all of a sudden I hear the most terrible banging at the side door and in bursts old Wilf. Now everyone knew old Wilf. He was the local 'er ne'er-do-well, poacher and murderer. But he never meant anyone any harm two-thirds of the time. And now the poor soul was white as a sheet. I poured him a brandy and helped him to a chair. He drained the glass in one, but still he could not speak. I poured him another brandy and helped him to another chair. Still he could say nothing. I'd run out of brandy by this time, but I helped him to three or four more chairs. And when at last his head was bumping up against the ceiling, he managed to tell his story. And a more blood-curdling tale of terror, I hopes I shall never live to hear the like. This is what he said.
5: I went for a walk, and I saw a ghost.
7: That's all he said, sir. (laughs) And all he ever would say so long as he (laughs) lived. That he went for a walk, and saw a ghost.
1: And so concluded the woman's tale. (laughs) And for my part, a most remarkable one, I find it, involving as it does a man who went for a walk, and saw a ghost. (laughs) Your affectionate nephew, Cyril.
6: And that was the end of the letter. I put it back in my jacket pocket. Jacket pocket? Jacket pocket. (laughs) And never thought of it till now, when you, sir, reminded me of the curious tale of the man who went for a walk and saw a ghost.
5: Said my new friend. (laughs) So there you have it. Be you devout believer or no less devout skeptic, from henceforth you must find some accommodation in your convictions for the fact that you once met a man who met a man, who found a letter from a man, who stayed with a woman, who knew a man, who went for a walk and saw a ghost. (laughs) Although, there is a sequel to this tale. In point of fact, I saw the same man again the next night. Ah,
6: I'm glad to catch you. He said. I looked at that letter again, you know, when I got home.
1: There was a P.S. I'd never noticed before. It read, P.S.? As I was on my way to post this, my landlady stopped me in the hall and said,
7: Oh, sir, my husband says I got that story I told you last night wrong. According to him, old Wolf said,
5: I went for a walk and I saw a goat. He
7: said, Sorry about that, sir, he saw a goat.
1: She said, Sorry about that, uncle, he saw a goat. It read, Sorry
6: about that, old man, he saw a goat. He said,
7: So
5: they were. Never think that we are alone, ladies and gentlemen. For tonight, you have heard proof positive, but this world of ours is
0: also walked by goats. And that was the best ghost story ever. You're listening to a special edition of Ham On. And we welcome
3: Uh, on with goats.
0: And we welcome people with goats, where we're uh, we're leading up to our Halloween spooktacular on the Halloween night, so next two weeks, this week and next week, we're going to be doing ghost stories. So when we come back, we'll have a ghost story from the master of horror himself, Vincent Price. So stick around on WTBR-FM.
8: Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed.
4: Trevor Alonzo, Halloween will be different this year. We don't have to cancel it, but we do have to think outside the box to keep everyone safe this year. If we all work together, not only can we save Halloween, but we can save other holidays down the road, such as Thanksgiving and Christmas. Now there are a lot of fun ways and ideas to keep everyone safe this year. Please visit Halloween2020.org for a huge list of ways to keep safe this year. For example, one idea is a Halloween garden or Halloween graveyard. Both are pretty much the same thing. Glue or rubber band a piece of candy to a popsicle stick, stick them in their front yard for the trick-or-treaters to come and pick them up. That way there is no contact. That's just one of many ideas from this site. On that site you can also take the safe house pledge. The safe house pledge is a pledge to uphold the official Halloween 2020 safe house guidelines to keep both your family and our own safe. And you can post this on your door or window or front yard. So let's work together to keep Halloween safe. Happy Halloween, and thank you for watching my video.
2: WTBR FM is listener supported radio. That means we depend on your donations to keep the station on the air. All the local content and the music you love requires your support. You can make your donation today at WTBRFM.com by calling 445 4234 or stopping by our studio at 4 Federico Drive in Pittsfield. You'd be glad you did. Pittsfield Community Radio, for the love of radio.
8: Starting Halloween at noon, live on the fright side with the hosts of classic TBR, On, and nothing but old 45s for the WTBR Spooktacular, a Halloween musical, celebration that plays well into the night. The scariest thing you can do is miss out on the fun only on wtbr Pittsfield Community Radio.
4: This is the Goodwill Industries of the Berkshires and Southern Vermont. Our mission is to help our community members with barriers to employment, attain independence and self-sufficiency, gain confidence and enhance quality of life, all through vocational, educational work, training, and support services. You can contact Goodwill at 413-442-0061 or go to our website at www.goodwill-berkshires.com. Is it possible
9: to two Utes? To what? What?
10: Did you say Utes?
0: Yeah, two Utes.
10: What is a (laughs) Ute? W-T-B-R.
0: And we're back on Ham On. Um, Yay! You got a Halloween story, which you can do after we do the, this Vincent Price ghost story. Yes. Yeah. So when we come back, we do, we're do we going to do this ghost story by Vincent Price, who, which is uh, really cool. It's, it's, you're listening to a special Halloween, pre-Halloween edition of Ham On for this week and next well, week. Well,
3: Drillis, Chillis, and Phyllis.
0: Yeah. Sorry, a little bit of Rocky Horror. A little bit of Rocky Horror. So uh, stick around. Here's, uh, here's Vincent Price and a uh, graveyard ghost tale. You're listening to a special ham on WTBR-FM.
11: The Ghostly Hand of Spital House. George Alderson owned the English inn called Spital House some 200 years ago. It perched high on Stainmore in Yorkshire's North Riding. What with iron bars at the windows, walls a foot thick, and steep stone steps leading to the oak door, chained and bolted inside, Spital House looked more like a fortress than an inn. One stormy night in October, the innkeeper and his son Bob sat cleaning their hunting knives and firearms before the blazing logs of the hearth. Up here on the moors a man must be prepared for everything, remarked George Alderson, rubbing the shining blade of a knife on his sleeve. Aye, the master is right, declared the little maid servant Bella, glancing from the pot she was stirring to Mistress Alderson, busy at her spinning wheel. Tis nights like this, when winds howl and the rains beat, that evil men crawl from their holes, George and Bob nodded. They always kept their weapons handy, for in those days highwaymen roamed the solitary region around Stainmore as well as honest men. Both coming and going, travellers by stage, twixt York and Carlisle, stopped off at the inn for Spital House, though grim and forbidding outside, was cheerful and warm within, with a succulent joint usually turning on the spit of the hearth. Once a weary traveller had dried his boots and sipped a mug of steaming posset, Bella offered tasty soup from the pot, along with a radiant smile. A warm welcome and a good feather bed awaited folks at Spital House, small wonder that fame of the old inn had spread the length and breadth of North England. Now, on that gale-whipped October night, George Alderson glanced around the comfortable room. The cheerful whir of the spinning wheel and the smell from Bella's pot made a man glad to sit by his hearth. We beat the storm by a good two hours, he remarked to his wife Margaret, and lucky we are to be home from the fair. What with wind coming up and rain pelting down, it's good to sit here warm and snug with our horses bedded down for the night. That it is, Bob agreed and grinned at his father. And it's good, too, to have our handsome profits for the sale of our sheep bedded down in the cupboard tonight. Mistress Alderson lifted her calmly head and smiled at her men. And, Bob continued, since this is the sort of night cutthroats and robbers take for plundering the moors, I'm thankful to have my blunderbuss cleaned, should there be need to use it. Bella vigorously stirred her pot. Bob was right. This was a night to be careful. She, a country girl born and reared on Stainmore, knew more about cutthroats and robbers than her masters from York. She recalled many a story of stagecoaches robbed, horses stolen, and passengers murdered. As she thought of the dreadful dark deeds, Bella fancied she heard a faint knock at the door. Master, mistress, Bella cried, I think someone's at the door. Shall I open and see? Alas, the innkeeper said, though it seems late for a traveller to be battling this gale. As Bella ran to the door, Margaret Alderson paused at her work. Best leave the chain on, child, she said in a low voice, until you see who's there. As Bella turned the great key in the lock and slid back the heavy bolt, a feeble voice whispered, hurry, hurry. In heaven's name, let me in, lest I die on your doorstep. At a nod from her mistress, Bella dropped the clanking chain from the slot and peered cautiously at their storm-whipped visitor. Before her drooped a gaunt figure leaning on a stick. The hood of the cloak, the stranger clutched, completely hid the features, save for two dark, piercing eyes. "'Let me in,' the feeble voice implored, 'tis a wicked night for an old woman to wander the moors.' Poor soul, Bella thought compassionately, supporting the stumbling stranger to the settle beside the hearth. It was addled she was from wandering around in the storm. A sip of brandy and a rest by the fire would do her a world of good, and yet, in spite of her concern for the bedraggled creature, the girl thought the body next to hers was remarkably firm, and the voice deep, for an old woman. Their guest sank to the settle with a pitiful moan, while George Alderson added a log to the fire. But when Bob sprang forward to remove the black cloak, dripping puddles on the floor, the aged woman waved him away. No, no, rasp the hoarse voice, muffled within the folds of the hood, I want nothing but to sit here by the fire before I go on my way. Rest is all my old body needs. The poor soul was quite daft, Bella concluded. Only a witness person would forsake the chimney corner to wander abroad tonight. George Alderson, convinced that their guest wanted nothing but a nap in the warmth of the fire, drew Mistress Margaret aside. It's late, he whispered. We might as well get to bed. The old one's mad, if you ask me. I wager a gold sovereign she'll be right here come morning. As the Aldersons lighted their upstairs candles, Bella said, I'd best keep an eye on the poor one. I'll sleep down here tonight and lock up afterwards if she decides to leave. Swishing at the ashes with her broom, Bella stole a quick glance at the motionless hooded figure. The old one was sleeping, the girl decided. It wasn't until Bella reached down for the bellows that her heart almost stopped beating. The toes of a man's heavy riding boots showed from under the hem of the long cloak the stranger clutched, even in sleep. This was no half-witted crone, but surely a robber disguised as an old woman. Bella knew that she must not make a false move, not with the Aldersons upstairs and herself alone with this fella. So she moved back and forth as usual, putting the room to rights. She set the milk to rise, then scoured the copper pot on the table. The figure on the settle moved restlessly. When do you go to bed, girl? The hoarse voice whispered. Right away, ma'am, Bella answered, untying her apron. "'Can I get you hot tea now that you've had your nap?' "'Nay, nay,' croaked the voice crossly. "'The hooded head turned away. "'Then if you want nothing,' the girl said, "'I'll build up the fire and fix my bed. "'Nights like this my room's cold, "'so I sleep on yonder bench where it's warm.' "'Stranger grunted, but made no reply. "'Good night, ma'am, and rest well.' Bella said sleepily from across the room. If if you need aught, (laughs) call loudly, she added, for I'm a sound sleeper. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That I am. Bella wrapped herself in her shawl and stretched out on the bench. Everything depended on her, her own life and those of the Aldersons. In spite of the way she was trembling, she'd have to convince the outlaw that she was asleep. Yet watch what he did. At first, Bella tossed this way and that, but in a few minutes she found that she could pretend to be asleep. All she had to do was count slowly, one, two, to breathe in, out, in, deeper and deeper, all the time. Bella narrowed her eyes to slits so she could observe the man on the settle. Possibly an hour passed before he stirred, Then, apparently satisfied Bella was asleep, he threw back his hood. By the flickering firelight she saw a long, pale face with thin, cruel lips and eyes that glittered craftily. Without any warning the ruffian suddenly strode across the room, then stood staring down at her face. If she betrayed herself now by so much as twitching an eyelid, he'd murder them all. Forcing herself to repeat over and over in, out, out, in, Bella found she could still pretend sleep. Only when convinced that the girl on the bench was asleep did the cutthroat return to the fire. There, from the folds of his cloak, Bella saw him draw forth an object so fearsome she had to stifle a scream in her throat. Her flesh crept with horror for the awful shrunken thing the outlaw took from his garment and set on the table not far from the copper pot was old and withered, brown as earth from a newly dug grave. It was the severed hand of a man long dead. If the scoundrel had seen Bella's face at that moment, he'd have killed her at once but fortunately his back was toward her as he bent to light a candle by the fire. When he turned about, Bella managed to breathe more heavily than before. Glancing sharply at her face, the man thrust the candle into the half-open palm of the hand and began to chant what sounded like a magic spell. Lock those who sleep in slumber deep. And yet more deep, O oh, withered hand, show us the spoil. Direct your light to treasure bright. Help our waiting robber band. Lead us to spoil this stormy night. When the words ceased, Bella took care not to slacken her breathing. "'until she thought of a way to outwit the robber single-handed. "'She'd have to feign sleep. "'A blunder would cost all their lives.' "'The crafty cutthroat began chanting again. "'Shine out, ghostly light, "'lead us, ghostly hand, "'reveal rich treasure to our waiting band.' "'The candle flickered brightly.' It would point to the cupboard soon, Bella thought desperately, and show where the master had locked his money. Whatever she did, she must act quickly. But as the girl lay there, racking her brains for a way to warn the master, the man strode to the window. He pushed it open and gave a shrill whistle. (whistles) So there were more cutthroats. And no telling how many, Bella thought in panic as she heard the faint answering whistles outside. She must thwart the ruffian before the others got in. An instant later, Bella saw her chance. After shutting the window, the robber went to the door and turned the great key in the lock. As he swung the door open, Bella leapt at his back and gave him a thrust that sent him bumpity-bump down the steep stone steps that led to the door. Bella watched him collapse in a heap on the ground and lie still. Now the girl slammed the heavy door shut, turned the key in the iron lock, and slipped the huge bolts into the slots. Last of all, she secured the heavy chain. That will keep you and your friends outside, Bella muttered grimly. Wait till the master peppers your eyes with his bullets. Master, come quickly, the girl shouted. But there was no answer. Perhaps they didn't hear me, Bella thought, and shouted again loudly as she could. Come at once, master. Bob, robbers are here. Robbers, I say. Can you hear me? She cried even more lustily. They're gathering outside. I, I hear their yells. But the louder Bella called, the more ominous was the silence overhead. And as to the horrible hand on the table, when she forced herself to take a quick glance at that, the candle was burning brightly, and now the flame pointed directly at the lock on the cupboard door. Master Alderson, Master Bob, help, help, come, come. Bella shouted, though by now she knew something dreadful had happened. Snatching a candle, she flew up the stairs, but when she held the light over the bed of the innkeeper and his wife, she found them sound asleep. The girl shook them and called out loudly. She even shouted into their ears, but she couldn't rouse the sleeping couple. Dear heaven, what is the matter? Bella sobbed desperately, for by now the robbers were beating at the door. Bella ran to Bob's room, but the youth was sound asleep. It was only after she had doused his face with cold water, dragged him from bed by the feet, and still he slept. That she remembered the robber's spell lock those in sleep in slumber deep and yet more deep the ghostly hand and its evil magic bella exclaimed anguished tears on her cheek if i can't find a way to break the spell we are lost the robbers will kill us all Without losing another moment, Bella darted for the stairs. She'd find a way, though she didn't know how, to extinguish the candle and shatter the magic that locked her people in sleep. But to her horror, Bella found the candle burning brighter than ever in the withered hand, and the massive outside door shivered and shook under the robbers' battering kicks. Dear heaven, help us, Bella sobbed. Frantically, her eyes searched the room. She must find something to put out the flame. Outside, the robbers bellowed, Let us in, witless one, if you know what's good for you. Open the door before we sliver it to kindling wood. And as for you, the voices muttered threatening and low, If you don't open at once, we'll slice you up as you slice a mutton joint. And then we'll chop you to mincemeat." roared another voice. One that Bella recognized as belonging to the ruffian she'd kicked outside. He'd come too. The girl shuddered as the voice continued. The others are sleeping asleep from which they won't waken. They can't help you. Thump! Bang! thud, Crash! Bella blanched with terrors. The furious blows made the copper pot on the table jump. The copper pot! Perhaps she could extinguish the candle with that. In desperation, Bella grabbed the pot and turned it over the candle and the dreaded, withered hand. Almost immediately, the candle spluttered, then sizzled and sighed. But the hand under the pot flopped so. To hold it down took all of Bella's strength. Master, Bob, get up. The robbers are here, Bella shouted. But now there was no need to rouse the men, for almost before she'd opened her mouth, she heard running feet overhead. Then a window slammed. Weapons rattled on the floor. Bella wept with relief. She'd broken the spell, but the hand still jumped and rattled under the kettle. You down there! Bella heard George Alderson thunder. Get gone! Get gone at once! Before every man finds a hole in his skull! Warning shots followed, then curses, threats. And in the midst of hammerings and poundings that frightened Bella half to death, there were screams and groans. As the ruckus raged on, she held down the pot, sick with fear, lest the thing pop out. Only heaven knew what more power it had. She would take no chances in allowing it to get free. At the height of the battle, Bella heard the familiar voice shout, We'll leave to the last man, if you'll give us the ghostly hand. And that's likely, Bella muttered, pressing down. So her arms ached for the hand under the pot gave a sudden wild flop. But the girl grinned when she heard Bob bawl. This is what I'll give you. Then followed a blast of bullets and screams of pain. In the ensuing silence, limping footsteps dragged away. Now George Alderson shouted from overhead, Bella, Bella, are you all right? He leapt downstairs with Bob at his heels. Child, where are you? He kept calling. Are you safe? Never better, Master, Bella called back, though she still shook all over. I'm safe, but please, can Master Bob fetch the parson at once? "'What in the world?' asked the innkeeper, "'stopping short at sight of the pale girl "'holding down the pot on the table. "'It's the ghostly hand,' said Bella, "'nodding toward the overturned pot. "'It's still now, but I'd best hold on "'until the parson comes.' "'With the aldersons about her, "'Bella related the terrible events of the night. "'She told of the dreadful things she held captive,' of the robber's spell and the burning candle. We'd all be murdered but for you, said Mistress Alderson, embracing the girl. And to show how much he thought of Bella's courage, George Alderson gave her a handsome reward from the store in the cupboard. It's your part of the treasure you saved for us, he said warmly. When the parson came and learned what Bella had done, he called her the bravest lass on the moors. Folks hereabouts won't forget your loyalty and courage, he said. After he'd carried away the ghostly hand, he committed the wretched thing to God's care with prayers of remembrance for the man to whom it belonged. And once the parson laid the severed member to rest in holy ground, people say, no one saw the ghostly hand again. To this day, Spidal House stands high on Stainmore. On cold nights in October, winds still tear at the ancient tiles on the roof. Rain rattles the window panes. Yet since Bella routed the highwaymen close to 200 years ago, there's never been a robber bold enough to steal treasure from the cupboard of the
8: old hostelry. to let old things die. Snoke, Skywalker,
11: the Sith, the Jedi, the rebels, let it all die.
0: And welcome back. That was Vincent Price uh, doing a ghost story uh, called The Ghostly Hand of Spiritual House. And you've got before we go to the break, you've got a Halloween story.
3: E yep.
0: So surmise it for us.
3: Trick or eat, trick or eat event set for Halloween weekend. Trick or treat won't exactly be the same as usual this year. Many communities have opted out of trick or treating and some, and some others such as City of Pittsfield are still having a uh, trick-or-treat hour, but are discouraging residents from taking part. If you're looking for something to do with the family for Halloween, there is something you might consider. Down Downtown Pittsfield Inc. has put together an event that will, um, that will both give you something to do in Halloween fashion and also support local eateries downtown pittsfield uh, for the weekend downtown pittsfield inc presents trick or eat october 30th through november 1st come drum dren- come dressed in costume or donning a halloween themed covid mask and receive and pulse treats with your dine-in or takeout Meal. Purchase of meal is required. Participating. Restaurants are the Ber- are Berkshire General Store, District Kitchen and Bar, Dottie's Ca- uh, Coffee Lounge, Eda North, Flavors of Malaysia, Hot Harry's, uh, Marketplace Cafe, Mission Bar and Tapas, Mathieu, Methuselow Bar and Lounge, uh, Poncho's Mexican Restaurant, Patrick's Pub, That's a Wrap Cafe, Thrive Thrive Diner, and Tito's Mexican Grill. Alright,
0: we're going to go to break real quick because we have one more story and we may just have enough time to do it um, from Boris Karloff. So, stick around you're listening to Ham On, a special Halloween Ham On on FM. Okay, people, time to disperse. Party's
11: over. Hi, my name is Kiki, and I'm your friendly neighborhood black cat. I love Halloween, especially the pumpkins and the decor. But what I love most about Halloween is that my owners keep me indoors. Halloween can be very dangerous for
12: household
5: animals, especially black cats. So please keep us inside, to keep us safe from the terrors of all Halloween. thank you, and Happy Halloween! Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM.
8: Starting Halloween at noon, live on the fright side with the hosts of classic TBR, Hamon, and nothing but old 45s for the WTBR spooktacular, a Halloween musical, celebration that plays well into the night. The scariest thing you can do is miss out on the fun. Only on WTBRFM, fm Pittsfield Community Radio.
2: Wonder what happened to those great local PCTV channels? Did you lose them? No worries, they're still there. Go to cable channels 1301, 1302, and 1303 to watch the best local content on television. News and information, sports and entertainment, city council, school committee, July 4th parade, it's all there waiting for you. Pittsfield Community Television. For over 30 years, we are still your local television. Now that they're extinct, the Jedi
0: are romanticized, deified. If you strip away the myth and look at their deeds, the legacy of the Jedi is failure, hypocrisy, hubris.
7: That's not true.
0: At the height of their powers, they allowed Dark Sidious to rise, create the Empire, and wipe them out. He was a Jedi master who was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader. And
8: a Jedi who saved him. Yes, the
7: most hated man in the galaxy.
6: But you saw there was conflict inside him. You believed that he wasn't gone, that he could be turned. And I became a legend.
12: The competition has taken notice.
6: Oh.
13: My.
0: God.
11: Good luck keeping up with us. (laughs) Amateurs. 89.7 WTBR.
0: And we're back on Ham On. Hopefully, we have enough time to uh, get this one in. So we're just going to go right to it. And and if we have to, we'll finish it next week. But here's Boris Karloff. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Ham On on WTBRFN.
9: Good evening. This is Peter Lawrence. Man kills passionately out of hunger or anger, out of fear. Love. But man also destroys life coldly and impersonally, without rancor, unemotionally, and with but one purpose to gain. It is of greed and murder that you hear tonight in a mystery playhouse. heavily on the soul of the coarsest and unregenerate of human beings, and conscience is an unseen but terrible demon to those whose hearts are set in evil, exerting a grim and unrelenting power over their minds. Tonight our story concerns itself with a price of greed and revolves about a strange and almost fateful phenomenon that forced a man to stand ghastly trial before a jury of the dead. Listen as we tell you of Captain Bull Harrison and the six who did not die.
12: Far below the equator, where the blinding sun beats with fierce hatred on the endless surface of the sea, lie the lonely islands of the Gambier archipelago. There is no movement in the white, hot expanse of sand and ocean, no movement save the brief, fluttering excursions of flying fish, and the few palm fronds that wave languidly above precarious footholds in the scanty soil. Barren and lonely are the Gambier. And lonelier than most is the atoll of Mangareva, a strip of sand and gray coral rising from the sea like something foul and festering. For at high water, the tide sweeps over it, and retreating leaves on its sloping beach all manner of snails and shellfish that helpless broil and putrefy under the blazing sun. No trader has ever visited Mangareva, for there is no one with whom to trade. And the gunboats of the Australian Territorial Patrol give it wide berth, for there is no one to watch. Only an occasional pearling vessel with its crew of native divers ventures within sight of Mangareva. Such a vessel is the sloop Nancy Hale, four days out of Sydney. A weather-beaten hulk with caulking oozing from her open seams, she lies at anchor in the lee of the island. It is sundown, and her small boat is returning from a day of pearl diving. The oars stroked by six dark skinned natives, the cockney mate standing in the bow. As the boat swings broadside to the sloop, the mate clambers aboard.
14: All right, Cavalli. Make her fast to the stern cleat. And mind you, don't lose one of those oars overside. May not turn. No, it is turn. May do some work all time. And all, blimey, stop you, leave them babbling. I don't care whose turn it is. Make her fast and ship them oars. If it ain't done by the time I get back from seeing the captain, I'll take the eyes off you. Can you mind what I say? Uh, bankers beggars always getting their ends up about something. It ain't one thing, it's another. I give ten pounds right here and now to be lifting a pint down in a red dragon, called blimey I would, instead of sweating my blood out in a million miles from civilization. Hi, captain... Yeah, uh, might as well these three sheets in the wind. I'll take a look.
10: Who's there?
14: I keep your shirt on, Bull. It's nobody but me, Foggy. Oh,
10: back already?
14: Well, it been ten hours under that blasted sun. Ain't that enough?
10: Close the door. How'd you make out? Hey, not
14: bad. Well, <clears throat> you might invite a chap to have a nip of that there gin sitting on the table.
10: Go ahead. It's the last of it.
14: Oh, blimey, the last of 60 bottles we took on at Sydney. Yes. <laughs> You ain't been bashful about drinking it, have you?
10: You got any objections?
14: Oh no, now don't be getting your end up, Bull, no offense.
10: Why are you drinking? Let's see what you got for your ten
14: hours. Well now, I think we have done pretty fair at that. Here's my new eye. Ah, <laughs> uh, nothing like a spot of Dutch gin to set a chat right. Oh, good at that. Too bad there ain't more of it for the old back to Sydney.
10: What makes you think we're hauling back?
14: I thinks we are, Mr. Addison. Fast as the old trouble takers, I thinks we are. Come
10: on out with it. What'd you get? A handful of stinking seed pearls?
14: Seed pearls, is it not on your life? Give an eye to these, if you please. Good Lord. Not bad, eh, Mr. Addison?
10: Where'd you get these, Foggy?
14: Fifty yards southeast of Mangariva in two fathoms of water.
10: You know what they're worth? God, they must weigh fifty grains apiece. How many are there? One, two, three, four, eight four, five, six. Eight by my six. count. That's right. Eight times fifty. Four hundred grains. All perfect, too. Hardly need peeling. There's a thousand pounds here, Foggy. Maybe more the way the market is today. By heaven, you're right. We are hauling back. I can do a lot with a thousand pounds.
14: <laughs> Ain't you forgetting something, Captain? As about me and the natives.
10: What do you mean?
14: Well, the natives get half the catch according to the agreement with their chief, and I get 10%. Well, figuring and uh, not intending to be accurate, I should say that leaves you 400 pounds, not 1,000.
10: <laughs> Trouble with you, foggy is you don't know how to figure. Now listen, when we took on this batch of divers, we never dreamed we'd run into a haul like this, did we?
14: Can't say as we did.
10: All right. We figured maybe we'd come back with 50 or 100 grains, not 400.
14: What are you leading up to?
10: How far can I trust you, Bobby?
14: Well, now, I'd say that all depends on how much it's worth to be trusted.
10: If we get what I think we should for those eight duties, your cut will be 300 pounds, 1,500 dollars.
14: Go, blimey enough to take me back to England in style, ain't
10: it? More than enough.
14: Well, it sounds most attractive. Uh, How do you plan to work it?
10: Right now, eight people know about this catch. You and me and the six divers. Chances are there are plenty more pearls where these came from. Must be a natural bed. We got to fix it so as only you and me know the location of that bed. Savvy? I
14: ain't interested in the bed. All I'm thinking about is getting enough to ship back to England.
10: Okay, this is how to get it.
14: You still ain't giving me no details like it, if you understand what I mean. There's nothing to it.
10: We lay over here tonight. Tomorrow morning we tell the boys we're making one last dive and hauling back. I'll go along with you in the small boat so's I can mark the spot. I'll take a and pin with me. They'll all dive in pronto because they've been there before. And when they come up one at a time like they always do... Wham! You get me, Foggy?
14: I get you, Bull. <laughs> Going to no tea, party. You say no more dives. You say we go back. Oh, okay. Mind your babbling, tongues you eaters. We got the captain with us today. He wants to see how you dive. Ain't that right, Miss Addison? That's right, boys.
10: This is the last dive, and then we haul back. Good catch, this trip. Plenty
14: gin. For the likes of them, is he's left to drink it. Shut up, you fool. We make only one dive, then we going back. How about that, Miss Addison? Yeah, one dive. Then you're through. Oh, oh, they, they like that. They're poor beggars.
10: What in your lip, Foggy, you intend to business? Move southeast of Manga River, about 50 yards off. This the
14: spot? Close enough, I say. Shippers! Keep that anchor, Taro, Over with it. Are you
10: sure this is the spot, Foggy? As
14: near as I can come to it holding, Taru? Yes. All right, let us swing with the tide, what there is of it.
10: Water slack. Okay, get him over, Foggy.
14: Here we go, boys.
10: You first, Kamuli. Nee, no dive. My nee, ear hurt. He's got a dive. Here, let's have a look at your ear. No
14: can see. Hurt deep inside. Why would you say something about it before we left the sloop? Wait a minute, Foggy. I'll handle
10: this. Come, Ollie.
14: Ear hurt bad, Captain. Very bad. One
10: dive won't do it, no harm. I come out here special to see you and your boys go down. Tell you what I'll do. Anything you bring up this dive belongs to you. No split. All pearls yours. How's that? Well, uh, I I can... well what about it, Kamali? No dive. Stand up in the boat. Stand up, I said. Now, for well, the last time, Kamali, you're going to dive or not? No, no dive.
14: You hurt the bad. Well,
10: maybe this will cure it. Now, oh, I... oh, the rest of you get over and make it fast. Go ahead. That does it, they're over Hold the boat steady, Foggy I'll work the belaying pin as they come up
14: What about this one, you slug?
10: Leave him, till we get rid of the rest Hold steady now, they won't be staying down there long, I can promise you
14: I got a funny feeling no good's going to come of this
10: Throw your feelings and keep the boat steady, that's all you gotta do I'll take care of the rest One little tap of this belaying pin as they come up will be enough
14: Here comes one Right beside the boat. Steady. Steady. <laughs>
10: ah, that does for him. Went down like a
14: rock. Two more coming up. I
10: see them. Ah, that's my string. See the others?
14: Not yet. Water got roughed up am my... Hold on. Here they come. Two together.
10: That'll make it easy. Steady now. <laughs>
14: Blimey, did you see the way them two's eyes rolled up? <sighs> like a sin of through me. Give me a hand
10: with this one and stole the gab.
14: What you gonna do with it? Give him
10: over. Wait till I tap his skull to make sure he don't come to.
14: <laughs> there ain't nothing finicky about you, is there, Bull?
10: Grab his feet.
14: Yeah.
10: Lift him now. Yeah. You're all right. Yeah. Uh, get that anchor up. The job's done. All neat and clean.
14: It ain't done for me. I'll be seeing them poor beggars' eyes rolling up for a long time to come.
10: You'll forget about it once we hit Sydney. There'll be plenty of gin and rooms in the best hotel in town.
14: All I want is to book passage on the first boat back to England. Don't worry
10: about that, Foggy. You'll go back to England a rich man. I got another idea. The money we get for those pearls is going to be nothing compared to what we end up with.
14: Now what's on your mind? You'll find out.
10: Get that anchor up. I'll set. Right. Spend two on the oars. We're gonna be rich men, Foggy. You and me plenty rich.
14: Pounds you got for them pearls, and me supposed to get my share, and I ain't seen a shilling, and I'm not going to now.
10: Shut up and open the door. You got the key?
14: No, I ain't got nothing. Nothing for killing six men. right down,
10: you stupid fool. Like to get us hanged? Here's the key. Open the door.
14: We're going to be rich men, Foggy, you and me. How's about that, Mr. Harrison? Open
10: the door, I said.
14: Twelve hundred pounds, and now we ain't got nothing.
10: Close the door. <laughs>
14: Twelve hundred pounds lost.
10: Stop talking about it. I've heard all I want to hear.
14: Oh, you have? It don't bother you that I ain't got no passage money, does it?
10: You think I figured on losing it? I had a system to beat that roulette wheel. Something happened. Didn't work.
14: I told you to stop. You
10: told me. What do you know about it? All I was trying to do was to build that stake up, make us some real money.
14: Yeah. Now we ain't got nothing. Gamble it away, you did.
10: That's more where that came from. I've got twenty pounds left. Enough to pay for this hotel room. Doc charges on the sloop and provisions. We'll go back to Mangareva.
0: All right, we'll have to leave you there with a cliffhanger, and finish mm-hmm. that next week. We never have time to finish what we plan out. Uh, just, just, we just, just time flies. Just time fun. flies when you're having fun. Just a reminder: October 31st, Halloween, all day long, from 12 to 8. We'll have a Halloween spooktacular with uh, Oldies45, Classic TBR, and of course, us! Yeah. So tune in all day, yes. and it's a virtual Halloween party, since we can't really have Halloween parties in real. Mm-hmm. So we're having a virtual, county-wide Halloween party for all the listeners of WTBR FM.
3: and a is thrilled.
0: And November 4th. <laughs> Um, we will be actually back in the facilities of WTBR-FM. Back into the studio. Thank God. <laughs> My wife will be happy. She gets rid of us for yeah, an hour. Yeah, She
3: said, thank God.
0: <coughs> we'll be back in the studio for Hamon. Um our Beatles main. Our Beatles Forever show will still be... Uh, it's not
3: even November and she's kicking us out already. Still
0: be, uh, still be done yeah. at home. How can we...
3: stuff going on lies trickery, lives don't,
0: don't believe her she just wants to get rid of us lies, we've, been, we've been we've been here for eight months and she's like
3: lies, trickery we got
0: we got, the, we got the email from Matt and she was like goodbye get yep. November so November 4th we' we'll ham on we'll be back in the studio um, and we'll actually have somebody doing cameras for us we'll break that down um, November 4th we have a big show planned for November 4th we even have a guest so, next week we'll continue the Halloween theme show here on uh, WTBR FM with Ham on. In the meantime, from Peter and Jessica,
8: 73. 73
0: to everybody, and we will talk to you next week.
8: Bye bye, guys.